Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey and you're listening to the guys of Coppen Fractures. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Cop and Crackers, powered by Social Media Group. I'm your host Chris and joining me this week to talk about all things LFC, that is right, the pods keep on coming when the football absolutely stops and it's dead on its hinges. We don't count international football on this pod whatsoever. Uh, people will say they don't watch the international football but they've secretly got it now in the background though so there's a bit of a clash of opinions in that way. I'm looking at you Pia. Um, joining me this week to talk about all things happening in the world of LFC, I've got Fahi, Peter, and Mike. Gents, how are you doing as we record on this quite nice Tuesday evening? Feeling good man. Uh, you know, you know what? I'm actually like really glad that we've got a break from club football. Yeah. So I'm like kind of like re-energizing myself again, getting ready to go again in August. But right now, this feels good. There's no stress, no nothing. It's just, yeah, just just standard life right now without having to worry about Liverpool. Yeah, I'm the same really. So I'll I'll be honest and say I haven't watched a single minute of international football partly because I was still really annoyed at the Champions League finals the way it went down. So like seeing football is a bit, it's still a bit like, you know, I get a PTSD whenever I see a ball, whenever I see Benzema, I'm like, but I'm good now, you know, uh, summer, time to enjoy, you know, have a good time with friends, family, forget about Liverpool for a bit and then we go again in, in August. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, look forward to this pod, actually. I'm here with the four horsemen, should I say. Of the- <laughs> so, yeah. Let's let's get it cracking. Who would be which horseman? That's a good question. Fire, you want to be Ric Flair? Um, I have to be Flair, surely. <laughs> How are you giving Fire Flair? Look at what Chris is wearing today. Look what Chris is wearing today. Oh, Chris. Wonder to you. I'll take Arn. I'll take Arn Anderson. I don't mind. Still, I was gonna say who would be Arn because I think Arn's probably quietly the best one when you think about it. Yeah, he's probably Hell of a promo. But yeah, Mike can be Tully. There we go. (laughs) 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 He thought I might be better than him, but anyway. I am, man. He's, he's, oh, uh, man. Yeah, let's 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 not touch on that one specifically. Um, I think I think he's pretty much blackballed from everywhere at this point, um, which is uh, which is a bit mad. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to keep powering. You know, as hurt as we are, we're not as hurt as as hurt as Cody Rhodes was this weekend. But you know, we have to power through with the pods, like he powered through with the match. And good lord, if this pod is anything like that match, we're going to deliver a classic this weekend. Judging by the caliber of people that are on the pod, it's on the cards. It is very much on the cards. But before we do kick into gear this show is brought to you by the wonderful peach people who subscribe to the cop and fracas patron page the cop and fracas patron page is going to be the place to be um this summer i always look at this advertisement as you know those old internet adverts when you kind of like sort of random picture of a person to say people hate this person because they've unlocked a secret that will stop these big companies making thousands of pounds that is what the cop and fracas patron page is the other podcast companies hate us because we give away such fantastic content for just a low price of three pounds per month. That's right, three pounds per month for every single piece of conceivable LFC content. And we've got a whole host of it during the summer with all the transfer stuff coming out, all the news around Liverpool. It's the only place to be. So do head over to www.patreon.com forward slash cop and fracas and subscribe from just three pounds per month today. Um, let's start off talking about Sadio Mane. Um, I'm going to start off with you, Fahey, because I mean, the guys touched on it a little bit last week. It's escalated now to a point where it's getting a little bit nasty on Mane's end about how kind of things have been handled, in in my opinion. I mean, we've, we've been saying for the past, like, what, two weeks now, two and a bit weeks, if this was Salah pulling these kind of moves, he'd be flogged from here to high heaven. What's your opinion on kind of the current situation in regards to Mane wanting out and how it's been handled from clearly his his um his agency um uh, best way to say it i think get off that fence brother get off that yeah, fence yeah yeah i'm trying to work out the best way to word it so i think he was completely wrong with the way he went about the answers that he gave before the champions league final i think he knew what he was saying and there was absolutely no need to kind of leave people in limbo like that. I think you could have just said, look, just um, I'm, I'm just focused on the final and that's it. Do you get what I mean? But You but, know what the but, weird thing is about this? He yeah. said, I'll have some news after the final. Yeah, still, it, it was weird. We're still kind I'll of waiting some, on this news no, no, and this announcement. No, guys, guys, he said, I'll have some good news. Smile. It was weird. It was, <laughs> it was, okay, bro, bro. You, know what it, you know what it was, though? Marnie, I feel like he can be quite clumsy in interviews. I think he's a really yeah. shy guy. So it wasn't like he just he just spoke honestly. He was almost too honest, and he just like started smiling. And it's like actually, you shouldn't say that, Manu. You should. You just yeah. No, I, I, the thing is, the thing is, even if if you take that interview away from the situation, 
obviously his agent has been working overtime the past month when it comes to right. stories. And like it was clear as day the week before the Premier League title got decided and his agent started leaking pictures of him meeting with um, the buy-in chief, forgot his name. Um, and it was like, all right, we know what's definitely happening here. And I remember when Chris first brought it into the chat, I said straight away, I was like, yeah, this guy's gone. Because the, the way this story was kind of being pushed out and the way pictures were being dropped, it was like, it's a no-brainer. He's, he's definitely angling for a move now. How many German journalists do you reckon were kind of CC'd or BCC'd on this email from my agent? Bro, they all know the info. They all seem to know absolutely everything about what's <laughs> going on. Um, and, and look, ultimately, Mane has given us absolutely everything in the six years that he's been here. Yeah. Um, like I, I'm more than happy for him to get another big move to another big club. Like he absolutely deserves it. Uh, I'm always a fan of players giving us their rule and then moving on to get another bigger payday before they retire. He's at the age of 30. We know what we're about in terms of a club, in terms of being frugal with money and everything. So if he can get money elsewhere in another league, yo, go go with like our blessing, my blessing, definitely. Like I, I'm not really too fast. I think the only thing that irritated me was just the way his agent's been working in overdrive during a period of time where we were kind of focused on two different um, tournaments. And it's like, come on, man, like, there's absolutely no need to be doing this right now. Like, it, it's not led to anything as of yet. So why did you spend that period where Mane could have been focused a bit more and kind of, you know, um, why didn't you just wait a little bit longer? That's the only thing that irritated me. But in, in general, in terms of the, the comments this week, sorry, I don't think they were that bad. And I do think they were probably misinterpreted. It looked- so, that, um, so the comments in question, the one where he said, the, about the about the club and stuff that was added in just randomly added in like some parsley by some uh, African journalist, which That's I thought like, is actually quite like funny that. when you do think about it. Yeah, a little bit of. A, well, let me yeah. add a few more words in here. Liverpool Football Club. Let me spice it up a little bit. Bam, you know what I mean. So, uh, I, do, I do respect it. You got to get your engagement up. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, I wasn't too fast, but I did find it funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you're a nasty guy, though. You you find those kind of things funny. I remember the uh, Adam Morgan situation. But yeah, yo, he's gone either way. Like I've accepted that man. He, he's done. He's he's going. We're looking to get thirty-five to forty mil. Lord knows where it's going. But yeah, I, I've accepted he's gone. I'm not too sad. Do you guys think there's a situation where he potentially stays if the offer that is not acceptable to what the club want. No, Obviously, they no. want to break even on what they initially got. They, they're looking to kind of get that 35 million. And the longer this goes on, the longer other clubs, PSG, Real Madrid, who are, again, looking for other attackers to kind of introduce their new phases, could up the up the bidding in a way. Obviously, he seems to have his heart set on Bayern Munich. Um, and his agent has, like, like I said, worked a little bit of overtime to kind of get him a new contract set up. The, ironically, the contract... Probably Lewandowski wanted, which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, if, if the contract isn't in the offer, isn't sustainable to what the club want, is it more in the interest of the club to kind of keep him for the year than send him for a lower fee? I just think that it will get to a point where we eventually have to reach a compromise with Bayern Munich because I think with Marnie, the, the problem with Marnie now is his head's been turned, mm-hmm. and Marnie's an emotional player, so Marnie's the sort of player that wears his heart on his sleeve. And I don't think you get the money you want if for a year he's playing. Not under duress, but he's playing with like the kind of feeling of I shouldn't be here or I don't want to be here anymore. So I just think it's in the best interest of the of the club to move him on. And look, 
I think the argument in keeping money is that you have the just there's not too much change because going into next season, I'm obviously we're gonna speak about it a bit later in the pod, but there's very little time to kind of integrate new players between now and, and the new season. Having Mane as a continuity option up front would be nice, but if his heart's not in it anymore, then we have to sell him and move on. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's more. To, it's, it's not just to do with money. Obviously, money is a big element, but I think there's more to it with with um, the situation. I think Mane probably isn't happy with how the club kind of views uh, himself. Obviously, he views himself as probably as every player should, like probably the best player at the club, or you know, what I'm saying a franchise player or one of the best players in the league. And I feel like he doesn't feel like he's being treated that way. More, he's being treated as more of like an afterthought. And it's kind of like, okay, we'll get Salah's thing first and then you're next. But with him, it's like, why? You know what I'm saying? Why? Why? Is, I'm, I, want, I want to be considered a priority. Why you always think of me as an afterthought? Like, if I go to Bayern Munich, I'm the main man here. I might be, the, to be honest, he might be the main man in the whole league. You know what I'm saying? It's probably not a bigger star than Mane in the Bundesliga with Lewandowski gone um, than himself. So he goes to the Bundesliga and becomes the main man for Bayern Munich. He becomes like the poster boy for the whole of the Bundesliga. So, you know what I'm saying? So, obviously, he's got his heart on that, fair enough. Um, yeah, and the way he kind of dealt with it, because I was kind of very vocal on this on Twitter, I just felt like Mike said it was just very clumsy. And I felt like whilst he's trying to please maybe the journalists back home and, like, the Senegalese fans and stuff like that, he also didn't have a, a much thoughts for how the Liverpool fans would feel. That You know what I'm saying? Had this attach, attachment to him the last six years, watched him play, support him. You know what I'm saying? He played with all his heart, fair enough, bless him, but... Like, he just didn't really, um, he wasn't very um, careful with his words. And I just felt like it kind of, um, he didn't have much thought to how Liverpool fans should feel. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't very, he could, he could have been more coy about it and more um, just like, let, let your age, let, let your age and let, um, when it comes out, it comes out. I don't, he didn't mean to say the stuff that he said in the press. But yeah, and my problem was not with him moving. I felt like he could have dealt with it better. But then again, so could Liverpool. Liverpool, if Liverpool really wanted him to stay, probably should have offered him a lot earlier. I don't think, I don't think we actually wanted him to stay there, Peter. That's the other thing. Yeah. I, like, like, like I said, I, I think, yeah, based off what we said to each other previously, I think we've been trying to work out who we can ship from Bobby, Mane and Salah. And we got it to a stage where they get to a year in their deal and we're trying to put the feet, we're not trying to put the feelers out there, but we want to see if anyone trying angles for a move and yeah. if so, what their value would be. And You feel like that, this would have happened a little bit earlier if not for COVID restricting finances in football? Well, yeah, exactly. And I think, obviously, they've been trying to work out between Salah and Mane who's going to be able to, to, to get um, a, a nice amount of money. And then it's like, well, Mane is the only one that's actually getting offers right now. So if that's the case, then Mane has to go. So I think we actually wanted this to happen. No matter what the club say, we definitely wouldn't have signed all three for another year um, yeah. on, on a renewal. So I think yeah, we would've... it would have been unrealistic to do that. What's interesting is like, so Joyce is reporting that it was actually managed reluctance to enter into negotiations for a new contract. Yeah. And that's, that's led us to where we are right now. But I'm just not convinced that's the case. I also think for Marnie's point of view, there's been, there was an obvious, up until like January, when he moves up as, and plays number nine, or February actually, when he plays number nine. There was an obvious regression, both physically, just in terms of te- technically, I think there was a regression. That Mane yeah, was aggressive as a footballer, it was really obvious. And I think for Liverpool, from Liverpool's point of view, there was no way they could have offered that version of Mane in improved contracts. There was literally no way. N- none of yeah. us were, at the time, were begging to sign a new contract. It was only when he played as number nine and had this amazing run of form from February onwards where it's like, OK, listen, Mane's back. But there was no case for offering Mane a contract before that, in my view, and, or certainly offering him one that 
like 400k or whatever it might be that he's demanding. So I honestly just think there's times when you have to use selling a star player as an opportunity to improve. And I think now is not a bad time to sell Marnie because you've got replacements in, in Jota and Diaz in terms of his skill set. Diaz has got his unpredictability. Jota's got his kind of finishing ability off both feet. Um, so you're in a position where you're not like scrambling, looking for like the next superstar. You've got some really good players at your club already. Um, so that yeah, Marnie's as a footballer has given us so much, but he's regressed over the last few years, I feel. And this feels like you need to refresh the team and use sell use Marnie's you sell in Marnie's opportunity to get a new player in and refresh the front three and go again. Mm. Yeah. It, yeah. No, it is it is interesting. I think we're all kind of at peace with his with this kind of upcoming departure. Can we all agree? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, man. Thanks for the memories, though. Mamani's honestly one of my favorite players for the last six years. Like, well, oh, he was part far. of the revolution. Legend. Legend. Him yeah. and Ginny started the revolution. Yeah, you know what I mean. That oh, summer, man. the summer we had right, Gini, so... Matip, Mane, all legends for me. Or like all different players. Clavin as well. well. You can't forget Clavin. <laughs> nah. And Mane came at a time where like it wasn't clear what club was going to bring to the club. It was just kind of like, okay, let me just put my faith in this guy who's, you know, what I'm saying. Let's see where it goes. Whereas I feel like when the likes of like Salah Van Dijk came, it was clear it was an upwards trajectory. But before Mane came, <laughs> like it was look, it was vibes, but he wasn't really too sure where. You know what it is, Pete, as well. So, He's the first signing play. that gave us that trust in the transfer committee. Yeah. Because before that, we'd signed Benteke, who we signed so many weird players. There were some good ones in there, but it was mainly just like an incoherent strategy. When yeah. Mane came in, there were question marks because everyone's thinking, Ross, 36 million pounds on Mane, like, like Liverpool crazy. But when we signed him and he did as well as he did, everyone was like, okay, maybe these guys know what they're doing. And then, obviously, since then, we just signed gem after gem after gem after gem. So he was the first really good signing. Um, and now we've got, obviously, like the squad we have now. So It's also the kind of first testament to how the coaching squad have kind of Molded the players because he's the first guy where you got this. You get this person. He's got all the fantastic attributes that you want. He plays on that right wing, moves onto the left wing, and then he moves into a number nine. He's literally played every single position in the front three to a very high standard, and it's absolutely crazy when you think about it. What an yeah. absolute servant! And kind of my my favorite Mane memory. My only Liverpool away day uh, was when I was living, still living in London at the time. I went to the uh, Arsenal away first game of the season, and um, in the away end, it wasn't. Auto party, one of the best, one of the best kind of um, best Sundays I've ever spent as as a football fan. And the goal he scores when he was a, uh, uh, I always think of the James Pierce tweet, absolute scenes. Mane's now riding on a uh, Jurgen Klopp's back. And it is that's kind of the vibes he brought to the club, the good feeling, and it just all went up from there. You know, critical yeah, to us finishing top no four. What made that goal so good? I always say that's my favourite Mane goal. Oh, what makes it so good was against the opposition. It was. The fact that Arsenal fans were chatting the most before the game and you the know. way the crowd starts booing when Mane scores, it was a mazine. Yeah, people forget that goal put us 4-1 up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back- <laughs> they were so shocked by what we were doing that game. Honestly. Everything was so emphatic. He cuts in and then just smashes it in with his left foot. It's one of the best ever Liverpool goals, let alone best debut goals. It's a, It's so good. It's outrageous. What a guy. So what's 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 some of your guys' favourite Sadio Mane memories? You know what I mean? I feel like I'm gonna have to sing boys to men. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. The background is reminisce, you know, but no, that um, that one is the standout one, the Arsenal one. But there's also the Villa performance just in general where he's just like a man possessed. I think 
bit yesterday from the cop in the count, but 2019 Mane is genuinely one of the best footballers I've ever seen in my life. Like that calendar year, what he does that year is just staggering. So from like the January up until the, the May, he's like our most decisive attacker in the Champions League and, and in the league, and he wins the Golden Boot. And then the Villa performance towards the back end of the year when we're fighting for the league title in 1920, he literally just grabs the game by the neck and says, no, we're winning this game. Yeah. We are winning this game. Like We are going to win this league, like no doubt about it. Like He puts in a mad cross for Robertson on his left foot. And then the header he scores, the, the ball from Trent, I'm not sure if he's trying to aim for the front post or not, but, it, but it's just like the way Marley improvises and flicks it on, it's just like, so what a player, honestly. At that point in time, I feel like Marnie, the variety of finishing, headers, left foot, right foot, finesse off both feet. He had everything in the bag at that period of time. Like, just a proper, proper player, man. I think also, sorry, another underrated performance is the away performance against Bayern in 2019. Yeah. That Which was is kind a of ironic. Really good performance. Yeah. Bro, that, that calendar year, 2019, the amount of good performances he put in, it's just like... It's outrageous what he was doing that year, honestly. I, I think that goal against Bayern is where, like, cool. Like, he's arrived now, like, and he's one of the best players in the world. Like, obviously, we saw him because we saw him every week. But that goal, I think, finally announced to, like, everyone, you know what I'm saying, on a European big stage. He just twisted up Neuer, like, like it was calm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's the problem with the best goalkeepers in the world. A fantastic pass from Van Dijk. Twisted him up, twisted him up, patience, and then chips into the goal. Um, Yeah, what what goal. Also, I think he, I like his goal against Man City... I'm not sure if it's home or away on his left peg where he just slaps it in. Um, home. Is that home or away? Home. I think that sends us 4-1 up as well, that goal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's absolutely... Like, just to do that on your weaker foot, that, that's insane. Like, he just packs an Edison, like, that, that's insane. But yeah, I was just going to say, like, for a winger, like, it's rare that you see a guy with such unpredictability. Like, especially yeah. in that 2019, 2020 season, you just don't know what he's going to do. He's going to cut in. Is he going to go on the outside? You know, he's going to slap it. He's going to cross it. Like he had so many elements to his game, and it was just such an unpredictable um, player. So, like, and then as as a fullback, how can you stop this guy? You know what I'm saying? And if you want to tussle with him, I'm saying you'll be left with the bruise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you can't even tussle with him. So yeah, yeah like he was just an un- unreal player at his peak. Um, one of the best you ever seen. I think in that 2019-2020 season, probably our best player in that, in that season. You know, you know, like if you could like it. I like having framed shirts and stuff, yeah? If I, when I get a Mane shirt, what I'd love to put is Sadio Mane, the start of the revolution, he was on crud because he was literally on crud between yeah. from the start. But if you're looking at 2018 to 2020, he was taking the piss. Yeah, that period is just. When yeah. you talk about like, so I feel like one thing that he has over Salah, and listen, like Salah's obviously an incredible footballer, it's the way he ends seasons for us, Mane. Mane always has that period like between like January and May when we're chasing for like a league or Champions League where he's just unplayable. Even this season, season just gone. Obviously, he's not to the level of 2019. But the amount of times Villarreal, both home and away, um, Wolves at home in the last game, like, when, the amount of times he's scoring those big goals for us when we need him. Proper player, honestly. I love Sadio Mane, man. Yeah. You have those periods when he's absolute cheeks, but then he will just come up and deliver the goods in the most critical of times and that's what you just have to love about him I mean oh. I have to, well, we have to go back to the classic Kanye, Kanye tweet uh, Mane's a nasty guy it looks like he's been watching porn since he's five years old and it kind of showed in his performances on the pitch you know so what you, a guy you know, you know what it is with Mane though one thing when he was bad he was <laughs> bad bad my god um, there were some performances in that, in that COVID season where he was just Horrific, Remember <laughs> winter 2017? He went through like a three-month, two-month spell where he was horrific. 
and he was sulking. And then I think he finally scored against Burnley away on New Year's Eve. But that, when he used to have bad patches, fucking hell. Yeah, he, I, don't, I, I remember a game during that spell where it was Everton at home and he missed a chance. He should, he should have squared it to Salah. I don't know if you guys remember. And Salah at that time was just like scoring every, game, every single yeah. week. And like he doesn't square it. You know when Manny misses a chance, he gives that smile. Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> just like you want to strangle him, but you see the smile, you're just like, fair enough. Yeah. God. What a player, man. What a player. We're, we're gonna, time, miss gonna miss some loads. We cannot replace him. We, we cannot. cannot. Well, hopefully we can. Um, and some of the potential replacements we've got lined up, uh, I have to start off with the one that's been rumoured uh, most prominently, Benfica striker Darwin Nunez. Um, someone who's kind of divided attention, a bit attention, opinion, opinion and attention, really, um, in the past kind of, what would you say, six to eight weeks in the group? I mean, we've labelled him not an aesthetically pleasing footballer, so we wouldn't want to see... But I think as you dive more into the numbers and you watch more of him, and especially you watch that performance in the second leg where it was an absolute smoke and uh, was just kind of destroying our, uh, our defence realistically, really, um, in that performance. Some of the playmaking, the way he was kind of dropping back, I think at one point he ended up at left back uh, in ball recovery, some of the creation, the link-up play, and of course the finishing, even the goals that were disallowed. Seems like a really good ideal replacement to replicate what Mane was doing in that number nine role. Including Darwin Nunez, how do you feel about some of the replacements that we've been mentioned in the media in the past few weeks? Farhi, I'll start with Nunez, you. Man. Give me Nunez. I, f- I think he's fucking sick. I-, I think he's a brilliant player. Me uh, and you have been on him for a-, for a while, you know. Bro, bro, from the one time I watched him play against us, I was like, wow, who the hell is this kid? <laughs> Second leg, I just watched him the whole game pause. I was like, yo, I need, I need to properly scout this guy and see what he's about. Because I remember in January... He was linked to West Ham. West Ham were trying to push through the deal. And I think Newcastle were linked to him as well. And I'd never heard of him, but I saw his goal record. And obviously then we played Benfica. First leg, he pammed us. And then second leg, I was like, let me watch him. And he was really good, man. He was really good. He's a pet. I like strikers that can work the box. I don't like strikers that can only work the what? The box. That's fine. That's not a pause moment. It is, it is, it is. Wow, the box. Hey, stop repeating it. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, all right. Pause anyway. Pause anyway. If but... that was a fun flex is freestyle, yeah, and someone went, I'm going to work the box. What do you mean we, by that? Flex yeah. would go, where'd you go with that verse? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what I, like, what I like about Nunes is he can work the area of that pitch, right? That area of the pitch can work really, really well. He can work across the line, he can work across the box, the... Fucking, that area is very, very good. The only issue with him is his control is a bit higgy. I don't think his link-up play is fantastic. But I think if I'm looking for a centre-forward right now, I just want someone that can be an absolute pest, someone who has a big frame, pause, someone who's rapid. This guy is fast as fuck. Yeah, he's, he's it's, it's, it's just a no-brainer. He reminds me a lot of Torres, like, but like a really... like. Unrefined version of Fernando Torres. So I saw the comparison of that this morning. I thought, let yeah. me run it back. You know what it is? The running style? Yeah. It's the pace as well. Torres was relatively quick because Torres is like quite a big, tall guy. So you don't expect him to be as quick as he actually was. Mm-hmm. But he was rapid and so is Nunes. And I think I think about Nunes' combination play, but I think he's someone that always looks, because he goes onto the left-hand side sometimes, he looks to play other people in. 
Like, I actually think his link-up plays a lot better than people are giving credit for. Like, I don't think it's, like, terrible. He's not, listen, he's not Bobby Firmino 2017 version where he's playing people in and he's, like, so fluid and he's technically amazing. But I think he actually does, like, try to play combination football. He can, at times, get get things off and and, and he can try and combine. And, like, City signed Haaland, who I think Haaland's obviously a monster and a machine. But his link-up play is not amazing either. So I don't think we, I don't think we're looking for a number nine with, like, phenomenal link-up play. I think we are looking for a different player now. We're trying to transition to a new style of play if we do sign Nunes. So I would, I'm excited by him if we do end up signing him. I think he's good in the air. Um, I was talking to Sam Maguire about him, actually, um, yesterday. He, he, he's a big fan as well. He's kind of growing on, growing on him too. So, yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm a big fan. Like, I was a bit less convinced before, but the more I watched him and the more I remember of the game at Anfield, the more I'm like, yeah, there's something in this guy. Like, he looks like he could be a really, really good player for us. I just don't understand what the complaint could be because for the past four or five years, everyone keeps saying we need a tall athletic striker, blah, 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 blah. People weren't happy enough with Origi. They're like, oh, we need someone that can come on and change the game. We need we need a different style of forward. Now we're being linked to one. Everyone's like, oh, he can't do what Bobby does. It's like, what? It's so the what same reason our fans, like some of our fans dislike Jota. Oh, he's not aesthetically pleasing. Like, these guys are still really, really good players. And I feel like we are transitioning away from that Firmino style of play where the play the board is like technically secure and it's always linking play. Like we're moving away from that and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, also, I just want to say, when you originally tweeted that Torres thing, I looked at it, I was like, bro, I don't know about that one. But I was thinking you're, you're saying it more because of the hairband. I was like, yeah, he's got a bit long hair, hairband. And then I kind, of, I kind of did watch it again. I was like, all right, I can kind of see what Mike is getting at. He does have like a similar style of like. Because, bro, if Torres era, people be saying some of the things to say about Nunes about Torres. Torres yeah, is like link up play wasn't amazing. It wasn't. It wasn't. His no. touch was off. There was sometimes when Torres was going to have a bad game, you could tell because his touch was. His first touch in the game was always be off. Nunes and looks also, like the same sort of player. He's twenty two. That's yeah. what good coaching is about. Like, exactly. He's not, he's not a finished exactly. product. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's, it's it's such a stupid complaint. Um. The only thing is the fee. The fee is a bit higgy. Yeah. Yeah. Liverpool it. made it, it clear. Liverpool, Liverpool every journalist. Yeah. And like, we're not paying, we're not paying big money for this guy, by the way. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I, I think that's the thing. I think if, if you spend more than 67 million on him, that's when the problem is. But in terms of a striker who's, you know what I'm saying, he's able to come in and score goals. And a lot of fans, we always say, oh, we put so many crosses in the box. Imagine we get someone who can head it in. Imagine we get someone who can score from these crosses. Like, You've got your man there, you know what I'm saying? You've got... And the thing is, he's not like a natural target, man. He's one of them guys who can, like Fahy said, he can work the defence proper. He can run it behind. He can drift to the left. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a constant menace. And the thing... You want I someone like who demands him. attention as well. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, yeah. Like, Mo getting marked by three different people. You need someone exactly. to kind of divert that attention. The thing, about, the thing about Jota and even Firmino at times that, like, they kind of drift and they kind of, like... Their play is more about smart, intelligent movement when defenders sleep or something like that. Whereas Nunes is more like He's constantly just at your at you at you. You know what I'm saying? Trying to just find some find some find the opening. And you think you saw that with um, the game at Anfield, like when Benfica were down and out. This guy was still trying to drag them back in, still trying to you know what I'm saying work an opening, still peeling off. Honestly, man, this low goals. Honestly, and they were down and out. We were basically through. You know what I'm saying? We were like three, four goals ahead on ag- aggregate, but he was still trying to um, bring them back. But like, he's really good at dogging him, like proper. So. Um, yeah, he, he looks. He looks. He, he looks. He looks. Um, he looks like a good signing to me. Obviously, it would just have to be about a fee and overpaying for him because I think that's where the problem would be. 
Um, but yeah, I think if you do have if you do sign him, I do think we might need to change um a little bit, maybe our style. So I would probably look at us probably um centralizing our play um in terms of having midfielders who are able to get on the ball and kind of work openings. So like your Tiago's, your Jones would have to play. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't play Nunes with like a Milner. Henderson for being on midfield that that wouldn't work because he's not going to get on the ball. You know what I'm saying? You need midfielders that will get Nunes on the ball, people that he can hold up for. And yeah, um, he looks like a good good signing. Um, I also think if we, if we want to look at being un- more unpredictable, so maybe playing like a four two three one or playing um, maybe like a four 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 two two, um, he's the man for it because then he's we're able to kind of change um, the way we play with obviously a big kind of forward up front. So yeah, I think. We need to be more unpredictable, and he's definitely a signing that could give us that this season. The whole kind of situation around this reminds me of the Allison situation, where we're only prepared to pay so much for the player, but obviously Roma wanted something stupid amount of money, but then everyone's kind of comes to a natural compromise. So I feel like it probably head to that place in general. I mean, obviously Benfica well within their rights to say, you know, strike a market in a bit of a down year in terms of it's terrible man it is horrific we've seen it from the transfer game it's, it's pretty peak um, so but bad. yeah man I mean the more you look at Nunez the more you can kind of appreciate what you can bring to Liverpool and of course we will have a full kind of like you know a little bit more of a tactical breakdown on the Patreon page so if you do want to get into that and in the next few weeks one, one subscribe point to the Patreon want... page one point I did want to bring up is that, like, because to so the people that look aesthetically pleasing, so, like, when you watch their compilations, like, your Isaac from Sausadad, that's a guy who goes past loads of players, great touch, can dribble, you know what I'm saying? But he's only got, what, six league goals this year. And Jonathan David, another one, he looks really good on the, look, when you watch his compilations. He's able to kind of play on the left, play on the right, play across the front line. But he's all, yeah, he does his best work when he's playing with an, next to another striker. So when he's playing next to... Um, I can't remember his name again. What's, that, what's his name that plays for that, um, Lil? Yilmaz. Yeah, when he's, he does his best work when he's playing next to Yilmaz. And we need the lone front nine. So these players that kind of um, look good and maybe a more sexy pleasing, they are not scoring probably as many goals as you like. So, yeah, you know I'm saying? You probably It comes at a cost. You know what I'm saying? If, if you have someone who's aesthetically pleasing and scores loads of goals, you probably got Thierry on read it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, also when you sign players from Portugal, usually they settle in really well in England. For yeah. some reason, that league has a really good record of uh, coming to the UK in terms of their players and doing quite well. It's a fairly uh, physical league, though. That's why I think yeah. like, some of the players are able to adapt. Like Luis Diaz surprised me in a way he's able to just quickly adapt to the kind of physicality of the Premier League, but partly because he's probably used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only flop I can think of is Hugo Almeida. That was for Spurs. Chris should remember him. Years ago. That was years ago, yeah. So that he was obviously massively hyped and he flopped. But in general, I think players that come from the Portuguese league do really, really well. Also, like Uruguayan strikers in general are fantastic. Like they, they have that. For, for a nation that's so small to produce really high-quality footballers, it's someone needs to do like a actual research into Orlan, Suarez, Cavani, now Nunes. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. just just top top forwards. I I think he's got it all, man. I I think he, I I'm sir, I'd put all my stock in him. I think he'd be fantastic for us. Um, but would you go as far as to say he's the whole package? I don't think it's the whole package, but I think he has got 
the he has got the right type of ability to work in chaos football tactics like like the way we kind of play our football so for example if you put Nunez in a Man City team it wouldn't work it it just wouldn't work because of the way City kind of build up play the what the what Pep, Pep wants from his striker it just wouldn't work I think the way we want our centre forward to play or how we can adapt for our centre forward to play it'll work absolutely fine because the amount of chances we create per game and it's nothing to do with the centre forward dropping off or linking up play anymore that Bobby Firmino day is gone it's just coming from our wing backs, uh, full backs now. For that reason, I think it'd be absolutely fine. I think it'd be fantastic. Only issue is price. How much are we willing to pay? I wouldn't want to pay any more than 50, 55 mil. But then again, it's not my money. Do you know what? I would, I'd be willing to, because I feel like when it comes to transfer fees, and obviously like when we, when we think about transfer fees, often we just think about the quality of the player that we're trying to buy, right? But I think when you factor in the transfer market and in terms of the alternatives for him, I'd be willing to pay about sixty-five million pounds for him, you know, just because the drop-off between Nunes and any other alternative, into if you're going for an out-and-out number nine, is quite stark. I don't. There's literally no one else I would even want Liverpool to enter negotiations for. <laughs> so, as in like out-and-out number nines, by the way, it's like a Gnabry or in Kunku, those would be good players. They're not out-and-out number nines. So, if we're looking for an mm-hmm. out-and-out number nine, I feel like you have to pay a bit more just because of the way the market is at the moment. So I, I'd be willing to pay up to sixty-five million pounds. You could even talk me into seventy million pounds, just because of the way the market is at the moment. But anything above that would be, yeah, a step too far. You're starving for a striker, isn't it? I yeah. am, a, bro. I miss the old days of just like classical number nines who score goals. I just want someone that can carry themselves. That's all it is. I think he really can carry himself. Also, to be honest with you, because City have signed Harlan, they kind of want us to sign a number nine now. Just so we can have that. I I, I like the way Keep City and I Jones have is. this like battle going on. You know, I like it. So you have your number nine. You have Haaland. Fair enough. We'll bring you Nunes and let's see who scores more goals. Jeez, stick talk, yeah. <laughs> yeah man, and you have a big benefit, you know, that LFC TV special with me and Don when Nunes and some men's long hair care. That'll be coming soon. You know what I'm saying? Chris, you're pushing for that show. I hope you get it, mate. Yo, bro, <laughs> I got to pitch it, you know. I got, I got a whole, I got a whole deck ready to go. I hope you get it, man. <laughs> but yeah, there's um, a lot of other strikers in the market, like your Schumacher. Yeah, he looks that. decent, but boy, like that's one season of good numbers. Um, and it's not even that. I think it's low 20. I don't think he suits us as well. This uh, people compare him to Ibrahimovic. <laughs> that's, I don't want <laughs> The way he strikes, well, he slaps it. When Schumacher strikes, yeah. they they hitting it, and he's like kind of an athletic big man. So I, I kind of get it, but Serie A strikers, yikes, scary. Serie A players in general, man, <laughs> kind of like, yeah, that, yeah, a bit spooky. I don't. You're telling me the same league of Belotti, Immobile. I'm I'm good still, man. I'm, I'm good. That tweet, is, that tweet I, has been I, finishing I, me. It's like. Kieran Mobley somehow manages to pull up 25 goals every season, but no one ever sees them. So did they actually happen? I've no never seen mean. the Mobley comp ever. I've never like, seen never. I've never seen a comp. You know, if a tree falls down in the woods and no one's around, does it actually make a sound? <laughs> <laughs> no one cares, bro. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's difficult. I think he looks like the best option. Well, we will we'll wait and see. And of course, you know it is. If 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 it does happen, there will be that instant. That instant part, that instant breakdown over on the Patreon page. So do head over to the Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com forward slash cop and fracas. Subscribe from £3 a month today. Um, 
one man who, if there's one thing that this man knows, it's how to secure the bag. And he's been securing the bag for, what, damn near seven years now? James Milner signed a one-year contract extension to remain at the club on significantly reduced terms, which I'm actually interested to see what you guys think classifies as significantly reduced terms. So is that I'd less than... I'd say 50k a week. More than half. I'd, yeah, I'd probably say 50k a week, and then if he actually appears on the pitch, then he gets probably the same amount than he would have previously. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. I mean, that's pretty good, though, as well, because... You look at how they're talking about some contract extension. So he was on what one one twenty one forty previously. Yeah, so that's 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 a that's a nearly ninety grand pay cut. You can reinvest some of that into if you want to kind of up the amount you want to give to Mo Salah. You want to put that into a Joe Gomez contract extension. There's a lot you can actually do with that money if you want to allocate it to different sources. But I mean, the main thing here is that the good vibes continue. The leadership continues from James Milner, and in in what Mike said, he's going to be a crazy season next year where we've got a massive midweek break. You want someone like that in your changing room, kind of gene up the boys when the international football's going on, keeping everyone in line. So I'm happy he's I'm, I'm happy he's staying. What, what's your guys' thoughts on the on the extension for James Milner? Yeah, I'm happy he's staying too. I think what's and Milner's been one of the key kind of drivers of that culture. He's been one of the key members of the dressing room. There's, there's even small things. Like I was watching the LFC like inside Liverpool after the FA Cup final. Um, and there's a scene where Milner not a scene, it's not a movie, but there's like a, a part of the of the of the YouTube video where he walks into the dressing room and like um Nabi's on the phone on FaceTime and he tells Nabi, like, get off FaceTime, you need to enjoy this moment. Small things like that, just like making sure that people because you can't you can't get complacent when you're winning trophies all the time. You need to have that hunger to just keep going. This is not normal. Like winning trophies is something that we should savor. So I think, we he, told, I think he told Nabi that because he knows, brother, if you don't get off that face, we're getting sold at some point. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just small things like that. And when you hear about how like young players speak about him in terms of how he has so much time for them, just like the, 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 the coaching staff, everyone speaks about Milner as this ultra professional. So in a season where you can be playing a lot of games in a short short period of time. You're already going to lose an icon in Enrique and also a legend in Mane. You don't want too much change. You don't want too much yeah. change for the dressing room. So you need to make sure you have Agreed. one of the pillars of the dressing room remain in place to kind of ensure that the standards don't drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of hear it. I, you know, I, I can't see him start like against Chelsea. Like, come on, we can't be playing Milner and Henderson versus Coates and Kante. That, that's that, was my... that was dire circumstances, though, man. Bro, that was COVID, man. That's where my, my grief lies. So, as long as we're not seeing him on the pitch as much, so those League Cup games, I think he does well in. And some games where, like, let's say we have, like, I don't know, we play, like, um, Athletic Madrid on a Saturday, then you have, um, um, sorry, Athletic Madrid on a Thursday, no, Wednesday, then you have, like, Newcastle on a Saturday, then fair enough, you know what I'm saying? You can come and, you can come and play there. But just, yeah, I think his minutes hopefully should go down this season, maybe when we sign another midfielder. Um, so, but it's not definitely nice having him around. But yeah, I think a bit too much mini, mi- minutes for me this season. One thing I would say is whenever he played towards the back end of the season, so I was thinking the FA Cup final when he comes on. Um, there's a few other games, Aston Villa when he comes on, he never lets us down. In fact, he's one of the better Southampton away. Southampton away when he comes on, he's one of the better players when he comes on and plays. So I have no issue. Like, I don't listen. Milner's not going to be one of the first teams in the team sheet moving forward. But I have no, I have no problem with Milner playing like next season. None at all. Like I know for a fact as well that if the if you know there's you know situation where we're in the Champions League final 
again next year will wander up with 10 minutes to go. James Mullins 100% is coming on that pitch. Yeah. That, that, just, yeah, that is just going to happen. It's not really his fault, to be honest. Um, like when you start the season, it's players that are not staying fit, so he has to play for them. He's literally yeah. up, so your, your Nebbies, your um, your Tiagos. You know what I'm saying? If these men are fit, he doesn't come on. But because they're not fit, he kind of has to play and bail them out. So it's not really his fault. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh on him, but yeah, like it just is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Teams have. No, I, think, I, I think it's fair. I think it's a fair point because you don't want a 36 to. T- you know, about to turn 37 year old midfielder to be kind of taking up a huge bunch of minutes, especially in big fixtures. So it's, it's definitely a fair point. But I mean, in terms of what it brings, I, I'm more than happy with it. Fahi, as the president of the James Milner fan club um, and the curator of vibes for one Millie's Last Dance, part three. Fucking How are you hell. feeling? Millie's Last Dance. We've been doing this for a long, long time and he's got, <laughs> got another season. Um, yeah, no, I, I I agree with Peter in the sense of I didn't really want to see him as much on the pitch um, this past season. But again, as you guys have already said, that wasn't his fault, to be fair. Um, it was obviously down to injuries and all that kind of stuff. And most of the time, he actually didn't let us down. Um, and like, like you guys already mentioned, Mike mentioned as well, back end of the season, you know, he did his thing. Like there were certain performances against Southampton, even when he came on in the FA Cup final, he was good, absolutely good. So, so yeah, um, too much change isn't great. I, th- I think you kind of need him to say one more season. Um, yeah, th- that's it really. But I really don't want to see him on the pitch too much. I don't. I don't think he needs to be on the pitch too much. The great thing about him though is he's a utility player, so he can cover in certain positions if you really need him to. And obviously, with now the Premier League being five subs per game, you know. He, he can fit in certain places at certain times. So There's yeah. going to be a lot of James and Wilder coming on in 85 minutes to kill a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so yeah. much. Just to kill a man, he needs to. Have him come on for five minutes to run into the corner flag. <laughs> God bless him, man. Like I, get, like I said, if there's one thing that man knows to do, it's secure the bag and by any means necessary. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy saying. I mean, the bigger question this kind of leaves is what does he have to say about the midfield outlook kind of heading into next season? Obviously, we can all fairly say that we were after one midfielder um, at the minimum, kind of this summer. Uh, Bappe kind of scuppered that plans. You know, we were kind of heavily in with Fatuamani. Some of the people we've been linked to, one guy from PSV, Ibrahima Sangare. Good Mike's Lord. Fave. Mike's fave. Mike's been speaking a lot about this bloke. Every time I see Sangare in the chat, Mike is talking about him. So, Mike, um, over to you. So do you know what it is with Sangari? So when I first saw his name, you know when he, people put his radars up on Twitter, like, um, look how amazing this player is. Statsbomb put one up and it's like, oh, look at this guy. He's like a true in many alternatives. I was like, okay, this is really good. I watched the comp on YouTube and I was like, yeah, this is not the one. This <laughs> is not the one. He was looking like, no disrespect to him as a player, but he was looking at Bakayoko. And I just thought, no, 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 no. He just looks gangly and like, Technically, he's not smooth and, like, his passing ability is not great. Like, honestly, like, the stats people love him. So, like, there must be something in there. But the comps have him looking like, yeah. <laughs> looking very There's a clip I sent in the group chat where he's literally chasing his own touch. And that's, yeah. in, his, that's in his highlights package. <laughs> the main problem with him, just like, he's just using his, his physical attributes just to, like, almost run through people. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not really going <laughs> yeah. going past people with like you know what I'm saying like a shimmy or like a step oh, over. Man. He's no, no. through people like a cannonball. 
It's like yeah. you know Sacco. It's like if they if they made Sacco a midfielder, it would yeah. look a bit like like you know how Sacco looks awkward and gangly. That's how Sangre looks like. Sacco was actually really effective, and he'd probably put a stats up of Sacco, and his progressive passes were really really high. They were good. They were good. But like when you look at what he was doing, it, you yeah. always felt like he was never in control. And that's what I get with Sangre. He just looks like he's never in control. All I know is, uh, Mike asked me early on in the day, he's like, oh, have you seen this guy's comp? I was like, nah, I'm avoiding it based off what you guys are saying. Then you put in that eight-second clip and I was howling at work. I was like, not <laughs> cannot be in the man's comp. Like, what is he doing? And literally, his teammates are just standing there, just watching him. Like, There's oh, one point where like his teammate almost tackles him because he doesn't know what he falls over. He literally falls over. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> I want to get run over. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. we don't need him we do yeah. no thank you yeah I'm I'm all the way good man like yeah the comp is meant to convince me of what you bring listen Sangare would have worked under Julier that's... or Rafa yeah he's like, a Rafa type midfielder yes, exactly that kind of player would have worked under those two managers because of the way they play football under Klopp and the way we kind of attack with the ball it's never going to work ever, never going to work I, I hope I don't see that guy at this club. <laughs> Is that was enough for me to see? Like, because if you're telling me that's exactly what the entire comp is about, then it's just not going to work. Fine, he's written them off on the basis of uh, an eight eight second clip. That was it. Yeah, it's not going to work. It's not good. It's yeah. like, like, yeah, yeah, keep that guy away. Great. <laughs> Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, I think obviously, I think with the midfield role, I think with you know what it is, is that like we do have a lot of midfielders and we do have a lot of good midfielders, but there's just this one element that we're missing. And I feel like it shows up when we play against um, the top class midfielders. So, like your Kovacic's, your De Bruyne's, your Modric's, your Casemiro's, and just in that, in terms of we don't have this dynamism from our midfielders. I feel like Henderson and Fabinho are getting on now. Um, and obviously, Thiago's never been, you know what I'm saying, the most mobile. So, when we play like these peak peak athletes, you know what I'm saying. When De Bruyne gets that ball in the half turn, no one like no one can stop him anyway. But our midfielders just don't really have a chance. And even like your cover teachers as well, you know what I'm saying. When he's driving with the ball, it feels like our midfielders they're just maybe a step below. And I feel like we just need to add that kind of dynamism and add that kind of PMP for like a word, well, you know, what I'm saying? that kind of pace and power where like um, our midfield can really stop that. You know what I'm saying, like. Kind of how like your two menis, your Camavingas, they really had that kind of PMP that other teams struggled to bring. And another, I think another element of a midfield that we could also improve on would be the final third quality as well. You know what I'm saying? Having a midfielder, I think we've been saying this for years now, a midfielder that can kind of add goals and assists from midfield um, and then kind of can kind of, especially that right side mid-roll, 
where like he links up with Henderson links up links up with Seller. But you can just imagine if a player with like more quality in the final third was to play that kind of right sided role and link up with Trent and Seller, what it can really bring to the team. And I feel like you saw that with Elliot before he got injured. Having someone who was comfortable there gave team so much trouble. When Elliot, Salah, Salah and Trent were doing that triangle thing, you know what I'm saying? It was it was amazing. But then I think bless Henderson, obviously he's not the best going forward. It it that triangle became really robotic towards the end of the season. It was and it just, it, it just felt like it wasn't really bringing much. You know what I'm saying? Salah was in a barren run of form. Trent was kind of coming inside was was inside that role in midfield, but teams kind of knew how to kind of stop him. So I just felt like you needed more variety to our midfield. You needed someone who can bring something to that final third. Um, but obviously, it's, it's, I think it's difficult because Liverpool's midfield because we have a, we do have a top-class midfield um, and it's like there's not that many players in the world who can really, we can really improve on with. Do you think we do have a top-class midfield though, PR? But in terms of so like your Fabinho's, Thiago's, um, Kenneth and Keita, how many midfielders are better than them in, in the Premier League? There's not many. That's what I'm trying to say. There's not actually many that are better than those four in the Premier League. But a unit, I know it's a unit. You can't look at it like it's a midfield that's good enough to get you 90 plus points and get you to a Champions League final. Yeah, yeah no, that's fair. That's fair. That is fair. But like, but but when we play the top boys, there's something missing for you, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's always. It's like you said, Peter, it's the, athletic, the athleticism is a big thing because I think Henderson's not the player he was 18 months ago athletically. And also, technically, we want someone that can just do bits in the final third. Not even like sometimes it's not even about scoring; it's just about being in and around and having that nose for it. You know, like Gundogan just pops up sometimes in areas where it's a yeah. bit awkward for defend for opposition teams. Like Villa, the reason they win that game is because of Gundogan's nose for goals, where he's just kind of in the box and scores two goals. So we need that. That player has got a nose for it, but also that that pace and power, that kind of dynamism to get back and forth. So. This is why it's, it's it's a bit fun. Like this is why early on in the day I was um, sending in those kind of radar charts and stuff because it's like all these random names that are being like suggested, and then like you compare them, it's like they're all completely different. So how? Yeah. how so for example, when we're talking like you guys are saying pace and power, Chris hasn't said pace and power, but I know Chris is a big fan of Gavi, but I also know Chris was a massive fan of Shomeni. So it's like they're not yeah. the same at all. So how? Yeah, so, so for me, it's, it's it's a halfway house thing. So it's rare that you can get both. I think it's like I was saying to the guys earlier, you want someone who can have... You, you want Pogba, basically. You want Pogba when you came to, to Man United. You want someone who has got a little bit of PNP and the technical ability to kind of take it to be a threat in that final final third in the attacking areas. The more, the more I've been looking at it, I kind of just think the way that our midfield sets up and especially that right-handed midfield role you look how Kate has been used in some places kind of towards the end of the season, why he's not been as effective. When Trent kind of goes into that midfield bit and he pushes that right side of the midfielder into a number 10 role, you need someone who has that goal threat and no one really respects Kaita like that. Like, you're not that guy. So that's why I keep banging the table for Paqueta because I think Paqueta and a guy like Gavi, who's kind of got that technical ability, because I think they could really work there. They kind of have that shadow ability to kind of free up Mo Salah a bit and make that midfield a little bit more of a threat kind of into those final thirds, if that makes sense. Do you think we might end up having to sign two midfielders? That, because, like, I don't think yeah. we live in an era where they have, like, these do-it-all midfielders, like the Pogba's. Pogba's yeah. basically a unicorn, where, like, Pogba can do everything yeah. um, to a really high level. There are not many midfielders like him. I think too many people are talking about him. He could potentially develop into that. Bellingham's someone who's 18 who could develop into that as well. But literally, so those, those, those players... unicorns, the way you need to look at them, you can't classify them as like sixes and eights, yeah. six and a half, because they've got the physical ability to play as not even destroyers. They can break up play, 
but they've yeah. also got the technical ability and the prowess to kind of progress it even further. And that's why they're just so rare. And it's just it's annoying because Bromwich would have screwed them now. <laughs> the set, man, it's crazy. You, they get yeah. Kamavinga, they get Kamavinga for the low, low price of what? What was it like? 25, 30 million euros. They pay up. They do granted. They pay over the odds for too many, but it's all sorted. And yeah, I mean, it's and then obviously they got Valverde as well. So the guy who's quite quite intangible in that way. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested to see what you guys think in terms of that midfield, especially in that right-handed side, where I think he's where the improvements needed. So I think, like you said, I think we just might have to sign two two players. So one that can maybe bring <laughs> that kind of PMP, and then one that can kind of bring that added third or players of quality. So maybe you're looking at. I don't know, um, like a De Jong. What you're saying is, one. we need this, we need a street profits like tag team for the right side of the field. Right? <laughs> so, <you> know, <laughs> little Bev Angelo Dawkins, he's got the bit of a strength, but then you've got Montez Ford, he's got the flair and Pazard in the athletic ability. Yeah, I see that's it. That's what we need. I see it. Because like, De Jong, he's, he's another one. I think he's one that kind of brings that kind of, um, he's able to get on the ball, play. Um, he brings that kind of, so when we, I think when, we, when we're playing these top, top teams, that technical quality that we kind of miss sometimes when Henderson and Fabinho are playing, De Jong would add that. So, but then he doesn't add that final third kind of um, kind of quality that we probably need. So maybe you're looking at De Jong plus Paqueta, or you're looking at like if you really want to destroy it, like a Basuma plus a Gavi. You know, so it, but it's just it's difficult. Really, you just want one to do all, but it, it's really difficult. Yeah, I'm with you, Pete. I I actually think De Jong would be a really good one, just because. He's more dynamic than people give him credit for. Like, I'm not, he's listening. He's not too many in terms of the physical power or pace of him, but he's got like a, more about him than people think. So he could be one. But yeah, it's an interesting one. I think the club might end up just settling on one midfielder, partly because you sign two midfielders, you probably need a forward. We need a, we're obviously signing right back. Like, you're doing a lot of business in one window. So I think this, the club might just sign one, leave it, and then look again next summer for another one. Um, I think so, they're quite so, yeah. confident they're going to get Bellingham, you know. I really, mate, I think we're going to get a price out of that move. I think it'll be similar to True Many, where like yeah. we kind of have an agreement in place and then it just gets blown away by another club who just put together a, a more expensive package that Bellingham just can't refuse. Like, I think City will really want him. I mean, City are quite keen to have an English core. Um, Grealish is part of that. Obviously, Foden. Um, Harlan's basically a British lad in terms of his culture and the way he speaks sometimes. So, like, they're having this kind of young core that's going to grow up together. And I think they'll see Bellingham as quite key to that. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just really intrigued as to like where we go next with this guy not being the guy now. It's just like, I, there's not even an alternative that we've been linked to properly. Like, there's obviously names that have been popped about here and there, but you know, like, usually there's always like, okay, if it's not Goetze, it's going to be Mane, or if it's the only brand, it's going to be Salah. Like, this time, there doesn't seem to be anything. So I'm really intrigued as to what the club have planned. Honestly, the main one has been Sangare. <laughs> that's that's the thing, though. That's not come from any of our journalists. That's, that's come from, from the Dutch journalists. journalists. Yeah, the Dutch, yeah, the Dutch ones. Have... <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but they're, they're just trying to push their guy, man. Like in terms of our journalists, they're not saying anything. They, yeah, they are. They you're right. It's basically been, it's been true many or bust for for the last however long. As, yeah, as soon as Joy said it with Chiumeni, that's the guy they're after. And I think, like we're talking about with midfield-wise, I think it needs to be quite intricate and fits. It needs to fit in the system like a glove. You need someone who can really kind of um, get the nuances down on day one. Um, but yeah, man, it's going to be interesting. The only really, the only real other one that's been quite 
hyped up when you think about it is Gavi. And that's that's just a weird situation in general. I mean, I feel continue. like we're just being used by by by, by maybe. Yeah. Team I don't trust them, man. I don't yeah. trust these the mafia kids. I feel like we're being used by everyone right now. They I shouldn't like... trust PK, man, as well. Well, boy, <laughs> boy, terrible, boy. We, terrible. We can do an now. entire pod on that, but uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've we never. We might have to bring back A or B for that one. That that for any other business kind of pod. Wow, wild. Um, yeah, I I don't trust the Gabby links. I think it's it's a fantastic idea if Barca can't afford to keep him. But I feel like Barca wouldn't stupid wouldn't be stupid enough to kind of um, let him go, even with that release clause. I feel as if Gavi would want to stay. Also, they're they're going to shift the youngers. I think the younger will leave this summer. Yeah, uh, I think that that they should be able to like get things over the line with Gavi and his contract when they shift. Some of the players need to shift. No, it's just interesting. He seems he seems really barren, and it might just be one of those ones where we kind of utilize what we've got. See what you can do with kind of Carvalho, even though he's been touted as a front free player. You've got Curtis Jones, who by all attributes can be one of the big guys for us, kind of going into next season. You just need to have you just need to let him off the leash a little bit more and kind of let him be a bit more free in how he plays. And of course you've got Harvey Elliott who could really do with the preseason, kind of get himself back up to speed and where to where he was kind of really twelve months ago. So it is it is definitely gonna be an interesting situation, that is for sure. Um let's talk about just we kind of talked about what we expect from, from from transfers and kind of what we're going into. Obviously, Mike, you put together a fantastic thread on Twitter um, yesterday in terms of the players that we were expecting or, or we'd like you to see come in and kind of who can really improve the first team. So I want to quickly go through and kind of see what our rationales were for them. So obviously your guy was uh, Christopher Nkunku of RB Leipzig. Talk us through how you think he can have an immediate impact on the Liverpool first team. Yeah, I just think when you look at what we, we typically look for in a forward, and I know that Nunes is the one we've been linked to and his deviation from that. When you look at what we typically look for, we look for players who've obviously got pace, good, kind of maybe good in tight areas, technically gifted, um, skillful, and have an eye for goal. And 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 then Kuku ticks all of those boxes. And I think this season he's kind of had this his first season where he's played solely as like a, a really a front free player. He's played like through the middle a lot of the time and he's got a lot of goals and he has a super high ceiling. Like, I'm a really big fan of his. He's got ability off both feet. He can score goals. So, I, I think he'd really suit us. But the problem is that... The problem with, the problem with Nkunku has always been where do you play him? Because even this season, he's played, like, in the front two. He's played off the striker. He's played as a number nine at times. He's played off the left. So, he kind of plays all over the place. And I wonder, I just wonder where he would fit in in our system. But in terms of his skill set and what you'd want from Liverpool forward and skill set-wise, he ticks all the boxes that we want. So... If we don't get Nunes, I, I'd I'd be really interested looking at someone like Nkunku. Another one on the thread that I like, just to say as well, was Gnabry. Because I think, I'm surprised we haven't pushed to get Gnabry as part In of the Mane deal. Like, I, yeah. I don't understand why we haven't done that at all. Because Gnabry looks like he probably wants to leave the club. He's not got longer left in his contract. And there could be a way you can work him into the Mane deal and then have this chance to buy another forward on top of that. It probably That feels like it'll probably be, it needs to be two separate transactions for accounts and stuff. But obviously we've seen more stuff come out that we are kind of, you know, we, we, we're definitely interested in Gnabry and how he can be interpolated across all aspects of the front three. So, yeah, man, that's definitely one we could, we could see for sure. What, what's come out, Chris? Because I've not seen anything about us and Gnabry. There was something a few days ago. We'll have to have a quick look for it and send it to you later on um, that we were that we were interested. So, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll dig that one at the vault. 
And then um, a final you... final question for Michael, um, because Michael keeps talking about this Nkunku guy. Um, so obviously, I know that he he plays in the Bundesliga. Um, I knew this was coming. A, <laughs> not a league that I'm fond of. So, um, but my question for you, Michael, is of of the goals and assists and all the stuff and all the ability that you've seen from him, how much Bundesliga tax are you applying on this guy? Do you know what? Uh, listen, he's not going to come to the Premier League and score 35 goals. I think he scored something like mad like, in all comps. But to be fair, he scored a hat-trick against City. So it's not just the Bundesliga tax. This guy's done it in like big games. I think you, when you think about... Werner, compare him to Nkunku, the difference is night and day because really, this guy, yeah, because technically Nkunku is like a, just a million miles better. Like He's just so much better in his tight areas. Technically, he's gifted. The problem with Werner is technically he was a bit limited. He's a bit scruffy. But he had that kind of like the pace and the nose for goals. And I think Nkunku is a bit more well-rounded in terms of the skill set for a forward. So I'd be I'd be like less willing to kind of Bundesliga attack him just because the skill set like really does scream a Liverpool player. Hmm. Interesting. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, just, been I'm just happy at that because there was because there was Werner slander more than anything. You know how I feel about yeah, that. You, you you love Werner slander. You I love and I I love Werner as a player. And again, that's why I'm applying Bundesliga tax on all these men now. Yeah, yeah. but Werner Werner honestly, te- Werner technically is a lot lim- a lot more limited than in Kunku. Like most people who watch in Kunku would like. Actually, one of the things that strikes you about him is just how technically smooth he is, like the way yeah. he dribbles, the way he moves with the ball. Like he is a really silky player. He's not re- his goals aren't reliant on the Bundesliga defending and the high line. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Werner's in some cases really were. Um, that that that's definitely the big difference. I can I can see it working for sure. It just it just depends on price really. Um, Fahi, I'll come to you next. Your person was Declan Rice. <laughs> really, by the way, guys, he will not shut up about Declan Rice. No, um, hold on, he, one second. What, what, one thing I want to add is. Everyone had already selected their players, so I wasn't really left with much. So who one. who who was your first person going to be? <laughs> I was going to go with Harry Kane. <laughs> 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 if it wasn't Harry Kane, based off what was remaining, I would have said Jared Bowen as well as like a wild card. And obviously then Anik took Jared Bowen. So he's like, all right, cool. Um, who can I go with? I was like, well, you know what? A Bengali man likes rice, so I'm going to go with rice. So that that's who I said. And I th- I, I still think, he would be ideal for what we're looking for right now. Like when I, when I asked you guys, all right, so what's the alternative? I'm still not getting really, I'm not really getting an answer. So it's like, all right, well, I feel as if this guy would be a great alternative. I think he's got the attributes that we're looking for. All right, he's probably not one of the best goal getters that you can get um, right now. But in terms of box to box, in terms of dynamism, um, in terms of age profile, in terms of leadership, in terms of future proof in the club. I think it's an absolute no-brainer. I think he's played to a good level so far. Um, he's already at international football level as well. So that, that's who I would have said um, if I had like a massive money tree and I could just buy anyone. Um, he would actually probably be one of the main ones I'd go for, which I think will be ridiculed by some. But I know that us as a club, we're not actually looking for like top, top techie ballers in midfield because we've now got that in Thiago. So it's like, we're looking for someone that's got that's full of energy, that has the right frame, that has the right age profile. Homegrown would be ideal. And if we're going for all of that, then I would go for Rice. And yes, I would go for Rice over Bellingham. Um, I know Tweedledee and Tweedledum on, on this pod right now, they, they thought that I wouldn't say it, but I am saying it. Um, I would go for Rice over Bellingham. I've explained already why, and I'll say it again. I think Bellingham is a longer-term project. I don't think he's the he, he's the ready-made package right now. 
um, and I think it will take a couple of years for for him to kind of get to what what we need right now. And I think Rice can actually probably give us more right now. So, so far, here's record. a question. Here's a question. I approach you and I say to you, listen, you can get Bellingham for eighty million pounds this summer, or Declan Rice for eighty million pounds this summer. Who are you picking? But what other, what other? Hold on. What other signings have we made though? That's the no, 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 no. You no, don't no, get no. Context it, here. You no, don't there, get there has to be context here. though. No, but okay. It, so it, let's 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 assume. Let's, like okay, let's assume we get new we get Nunez as we as we hope and expect. Let's assume we get this right back in the lad from Scotland. Those two signings in Carvalho's here as well, and then the final signing is a midfielder. You have a choice between eighty million pounds on Bellingham or eighty million pounds on Rice. Who are you picking? <laughs> I'm gonna go with Rice. I'm gonna go with Rice and shall I tell you why? Because we need a replacement for Hendo. I want Hendo to have the Milner position the year after. I think Rice is that guy. So I would So just to be clear, just to be clear, Fahi would spend 80 million pounds on Declan Rice this summer as opposed to Jude Bellingham. Just to be clear, guys. Yeah, hope you all heard that. Yeah, I would. Because whenever I ask you guys, okay, so what's Bellingham actually gonna bring to the party? You're like, oh, well, he scored the goal against Man City in the Champions League. But like, when I ask, so what does he do <laughs> no on a week to league basis? I hear fuck all. And then when it's like, okay, he's it's done 14 assists this season. Fahey. Fahey, how much does he tax that? It's this simple. Jude Bellingham is, is a supremely talented footballer and has a high seed in Declan Rice. Declan Rice, by the way, is much, much better than people give him credit for. But he's not as good. He's not going to be as good as Jude Bellingham when it's all said and done, I think. Like, Jude Bellingham's ceiling for me is super, super high. So, yeah, it's, but it's we need, but we need someone for now, right, Mike? We but need Jude someone for right now. Jude now, I feel as well. I don't feel like he's someone who's going to be like unable to contribute now. I think he's got a lot of ability and talent. And he's shown that. Yeah, that that's the only thing. I'm just a bit unsure on Jude and right now. I just I just don't see it. I, I just feel as if he's a he's a You're longer patient term. man. Fire, honestly. Eighty. If you told me if you get Jude Bellingham for eighty million pounds this summer, I'll bite your hand off for it. Honestly. I'm an impatient man because tomorrow is never promised. So you have to go with today. Very, so very I'm, philosophical. Very philosophical. Philosophical, but I always <laughs> preach it. So if I'm going for right now, I'm going with Rice. And I have yeah. been pushed into saying this, but I will say it and I will back it up. Fair enough. Will we visit this Definitely. in a year? He didn't succumb to peer pressure. He gave his he opinion. He didn't. And he died on his hill. He's a stubborn man. I, I, I'm That's dying the on the hill. I'm dying on the hill. Yeah. He's dying on the hill of Tilda Rice. Gotta, gotta on, on, on that Canary point, I think it's, it's, it's almost that transfer makes almost too much sense in a way. Like, you almost don't expect Liverpool to do it because it makes too much sense in terms of the, the way we'd be able to kind of replace Mane is that, like, Canary is an inside forward who kind of guarantees you goals. I think in the last four seasons, he's got double figures in, in goals. And there's not often, you know what I'm saying, you get a wing or an inside forward, as they like to call them these days, he literally guarantees you goals. You know what I'm saying? You like sort of like, I don't know, like your Mara's and stuff like that. Whilst he's upscaled his goal scoring um, this season, he normally gets like maybe like seven, eight goals. You know what I'm saying? But Canary literally guarantees you um, a lot of goals. Yeah, I think in that lockdown season, I think he got 20 plus goals in all competitions. Um, and I think the thing with Canary, he's direct. He can shoot with both foot, both feet easily. Like, and when he again when he hits it, they stay hit. He's a good finisher. He can play on the left and the right, and he's comfortable on each side. And I think we have a lot of wingers who. Um, they're more comfortable on the left or they're just comfortable on the right, you know. So whilst they can play on the other side, they're not as comfortable. But Gnabry can easily play at both sides, doesn't really affect his game, his output doesn't really get affected. Um, and yeah, I think we should definitely be looking at to kind of um put him in the deal with, with Mane. That would make a lot of sense. 
if we could negotiate um, and everything to that deal. But and he's also homegrown as well because obviously I think I'm, he. I'm shocked that we're um, not. Yeah, he's he's homegrown as well because obviously he grew up in the Arsenal academy, so it makes too much again. Yeah. It makes too much sense. That might be and what it I is. Though, if you think is about fan. it, Klopp's been linked before. Yeah. You got you got to think about it. The fee, you know. Okay, well, cool. You don't want to pay a higher fee. We'll take a lower fee, but you know, we'll have we we'll have Gab uh, Gnabry as well. We'll you know, throw you a few million quid. Is what it is. Peter, your guy, Rafina. You know, um, the thing is, Rafina. Again, loads of people were taken. Um, and I was looking at plays that I generally like, so I've always liked Rafina's profile. Just someone who, again, a jugador like Diaz, an absolute jugador. When you're watching me entertained, you're off your seat, you can go past the player. Um, he's a fantastic dribbler, and this season he's got double figures in the Premier League again. What I keep saying, so a winger or inside forward who's getting goals, you know what I'm saying? Mike might have to say, Oh, he's scoring pennies or set pieces, but he's still getting those double figures, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I like, I like Rafina a lot. Um, talk, talk, to me, talk to me about those non-penalty goals, though, because it accounts for almost fifty percent of his conversion. Yeah, why is Mike so quiet as well? I'm at, I, I, he's, I, he's, I need, he's, I he's cooking, man. He's cooking. I'm letting Peter have his go. Like, let Peter talk about Rafinha. That's fine. Yeah. I'll, so, I'll... So, so okay. So those those non-penalty goals, I I don't think I don't think it matters too much because look, the season before, I think he was double figures and assists. So what he, I think the assist last season, he might have got like twelve or thirteen assists in the Premier League. So he can do both. He can assist and Score. I think this is you got nine assists in the previous year, which is still a fair, a fair, a fair amount, especially when you consider the lead side. So, yeah, you know I'm saying, I, I with Bamford out this season, he's obviously had to be more of a scorer. They literally had no one scoring goals for them. Daniel James, again, he's another one of their top goal scorers, so he's obviously taken more of a goal scoring role. So, yeah, I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's probably a bit too similar to Diaz, so he wouldn't go for him now. But yeah, I do like Rafina for sure. If he didn't have I Diaz, just, I'd go for Rafina. I mean, do I you need someone huge... on the right wing? There are huge question marks about Rafinha's output for me, like huge question marks. Like, you don't, first of all, when it comes to assists, you do not sign a player based on their assist record. It's very rare you look at a player's assist record and thought, yeah, that's a bit of me. Maybe their underlying numbers in terms of how well they pass the ball, how well they create chances, but like assist numbers, because they they're not based on your ability sometimes. Sometimes it's based on the ability of the players around you. So, honestly, so I just feel like. We've got random at Leeds, though. No, of course. I'm, but for me, the problem with Rafinha, the problem with Rafinha is just he doesn't put the ball in the back of the net enough. From open play, his numbers aren't the best. Like you need, if we're if we're so we have Lucas, yes, who I'm not convinced is one in two. I think he's one in three, which is fine, by the way. We can't bend Sam Rafinha, who's another one in three player. And like you have like, uh, a, who, who's going to be a striker? Maybe if you get Nunes in, but you have like one one in two player. Liverpool always need at least two one in two. So we've, the reason we've been so good for the last few years is because we have had Mane and Salah, who are both one in two players. When it comes to the league and in general, you can't have in a position where. If Salah goes next summer, your wingers are Luis, your main wingers are Luis Diaz and Rafinha because you're not going to get enough goals. Yeah, no, that's completely fine. I hear, I hear what you're saying. Again, we'd have to change our the way we play. So you have to get maybe a ten, maybe go to a forty-three run, get a ten and a nine or something like that. Or All of that change for Rafinha just was like, and I think Rafinha's a really, really good player. But we might change that... a forty-three run anyway. We might, but I wouldn't change it for Rafinha. Is my point. Like I don't think Rafinha's worth. I feel like you get a that. similar type of player for less value as well. So you could probably get like a Luis Sinestra. Or Anthony, for example. Anthony, you get him for like, I don't know how, how much he's going to go for, but similar profile to Rafinha. Like, I wouldn't mind if Rafinha was a squad option, I wouldn't mind it, but I feel like we, if we sign him for the money that Leeds want, he would end up being a, a, a key player, especially if I do I do expect Salah to leave next season as well. 
So he would be your next right wing option. And I'm just like, I, I worry about that. Like, I'd rather like spend the money on Gnabry because Gnabry, I, I can trust Gnabry to be one and two player yeah, for us. For sure, right. You know what, though? One thing I'll say to kind of defend Peter a bit I think when we're comparing Rafinha to Diaz, I think it's a bit lazy, especially when you're saying one in three for both, because I think Rafinha is actually more clinical than Diaz is. No, uh, Diaz's numbers have always been like consistently he, over his career has been one in two, but I think for Liverpool at the moment, based on what I've seen finishing wise, have I they think he's one in three? I don't think Diaz has been one in two his whole career. Porto. They've, they've been often, yeah, but this is his first season getting like double figures. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think they've really been one in three. Fair, listen, let's see. Again, I'm a big fan of Rafinha. Like, just he's one of those players you watch and you're a fan of, but I just don't think he puts the ball in the back of the net enough for me. I yeah, need I, killers, I, I, man. I need players that can score. I need goal scoring killers. No, I agree. I think he'd be a bit of a luxury, but we kind of can't really afford at the moment, if that makes sense, in terms of the value you bring. But it'd be good. The good, the vibes would be good. You'd have some good kind of penetration on those on those wings. If you had him and Diaz. Pause. Honestly, Farouk would be, loving, would be loving it, by the way. You know, Farouk loves technicians. Penetration on the wings? Yeah, man, you're the one going in and around the box. Yeah, uh, all right, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, I, I like Raf. I think Rafinha is good. I think he'd be. The thing is, he definitely wants to go Barcelona. I yeah, just don't so think Barcelona afford anyone. I don't get it. You know, the man that somehow max out all their credit but still afford stuff. Yeah. I, I really don't know how they. I really don't know how they kind of afford. All right, you sell you sell Frankie De Jong for like 55, 60 mil because United will pay it. That sixty mil. They want more than that though. Apparently, don't they? They want like seventy. United will pay that as well, right? Yeah, they probably would. Yeah, but I don't know who else they can actually shift realistically. Well, Dembele will be leaving, so that's obviously the the wages kind of reduced a bit. The Clicatini uh, off the Clicatini off the books. Coutinho. Do they have to get rid of guys like Serginio Dest? Long yeah. play? But He's even been then, like. Really quite a bit as well. He's been linked to Chelsea, actually. Mm, that'd be interesting. But that's the thing, though. It's like, where do like, half of these players go? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so Barcelona are a really, really weird club. But I do think with Raf, if Barcelona can't sign him, then yeah, we probably will. We, we may go in for him. But we're being linked to so many different names right now. If you're. You're going from Rafinha to Saka to Kane to Nabri to Nunez. I've written a list down of who we've been linked to. So Saka, Danjuma, Nunez, Vitinha, Terrier, Gavi, Gakpo, Pulisic, Nabri, Kane, Bellingham, Phillips. And I'm pretty sure there's like loads I've missed off as well. So Bowen, have we, you have we, have that time of year. I thought we'd like been linked to Bowen at some point in the last... Yeah, we've been oh, yeah, Jared Bowen. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Wild. So it's, it's, it's a who's who if you want. We're um, going to get into Samantha and at some point. Yeah, might as well run it back, man. <laughs> Danny Alves as well. Yeah. Michael, if, if I gave you 150, 150 mil to spend, spend this summer, knowing that Mane's leaving as well, so you're including that money, 150, how do you invest it? Oh, good question. You probably, I'd probably get Nunes in. So that's how much we how much are we gonna say Nunes goes for? But if we go if we're going by transfer game rules, that's 70 million quid. Okay, that's okay. That's 70. 
So, uh, yeah, I've not got much left. And I'd probably just, if you could, would am I saying Bellingham's a realistic signing this summer? You're not, you're not letting me have Bellingham this summer because I'll just spend the rest on Bellingham. The thing is, it logically, it should be a realistic signing because Dortmund have a new coach. So, 80 million quid up front should be enough. Well, I would, if you gave me 150 million pounds, I'm signing Nunes and Bellingham, and I'm just that's it. That's your spine sorted out. That's like you, so like one of the problems I have with our squad is we have like Asian players and we need some younger players to come in. Bellingham and, and Nunes sort your spine out for a number of years where you have these two young players who are really talented that can build and grow as players. I would honestly just bet sign those two. Interesting. What about money. you? 150 mil. Yeah. I'll probably go Nunez. The myth it's it's about whether you can get Bellingham though. That's the only big drawback, isn't it, to be fair? Because I probably would if, if I couldn't do that, and I have to wait a year, I probably would kind of spend whatever the twenty five mil on Nabry. That's ninety five. And then get I don't, even know you, I don't even know you could get in realistically midfield wise. I'd go. I'd, I honestly would go Diong. You know, I really would just go Diong. I mean, the wages might be where it fucks you up, though. Really? How how much would he want? Would he want more than like um, a? He'd probably want more than two hundred. I reckon. You gotta think really? about it. Look at the look at the look at the caliber of club that are going for him. So it's probably the probably yeah, the United. two teams that are probably after him the most. It'd be City and United. Yeah, and they can kind of say. Straight off the bat, I mean, United are desperate anyway, so they might go, here's 300 grand a week. You get to come with your adopted dad. And see, I'll probably just say, here's 250. Or something above that range. So that way it kind of really draws you out. Yeah. But it is just all about that midfield. It's all about what you want from that midfield, because if I could do that, then I probably would do Nunez, Nabri, and Paqueta. That's not bad. Yeah, if you it's, can't get Bellingham, maybe you go it's Nunez. kind of exotic. Yeah. Maybe you go Nunez, Gnabry, and... I don't even know. Midfield is, midfield is such a... <laughs> <laughs> midfield is a big issue for us. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I really don't... I can't think of viable alternatives this summer. Like, Diong, you, you, you basically... Diong is not vi- um, viable based on what you just said. Bellingham's not viable. Sangare is not viable for a number of reasons, partly because he's just not... <laughs> He's just not good enough. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know where we turn. I'll be. I'm, I'm going to be intrigued to see where we turn because I, we could end up here's signing the, Declan Rice. Here's, here's the thing, though. Sorry to interrupt you, Mike. If we kind of say, okay, screw it. Instead of just waiting the year for Bellingham, let's just do it now. Do you think they'd do it? I, I think. Don't, I don't know, man. I think when it comes to a signing like Bellingham. It would be so methodically done. We wouldn't just like because be we're putting it out is... there. Is, sorry, and the only way I keep the only way I'm saying this is because we keep dropping the hint in the media that you know Liverpool would be interested in. You know, they're definitely interested in Bellingham. They see someone who could fit into that project. And if you kind of can save yourself the headache of a similar situation like Shuamani calling it, because it looks like Real Madrid possibly want him as well. So if you say, you know what, screw it, let's just do it Get this it now before Madrid want to buy him next seat. I think time. you could do that with yeah. type deal. Because I actually feel like with Bellingham, one of the reasons the club aren't signing him is because I think they, they they think he needs another year at Dortmund. I think I they want him to have another year at Dortmund where he's playing regularly. Because if he's signed for us, I don't think he's going to start every week. Like He'd be a, 
an important player. He'd probably play similar amount of minutes to Naby Keita, but I think Bellingham would benefit from playing another 45 games next season where he starts every single week. Um, so, yeah, I think the club actually want him to take Dortmund just for his development more than anything. I just don't see what the benefit is of this 40-50 games in the Bundesliga where 13 of the teams in that league are absolute shit. I just, I don't <laughs> see it. It's honestly such an irrational hate. It's not irrational, bro. Like you watch it and it's like, what am I what am I seeing right now? Like it's it's stupidity one and one. You're such an uncle, honestly. You no, bro, honestly, bro, watch the Bundesliga on a week. I watch week. it. <laughs> when you watch Dortmund play and you watch their opposition and you watch what the opposition do to Dortmund every single week, they'll score first. And then somehow just fall apart 10 minutes later. And it's the same story. The high line, one stupid through ball through the middle, and it happens every single game. And it's like, this is not real. This isn't a real, like, league. It's it's just not real, man. It's not. I'm sorry. I'm not even trying to be an uncle. It's just. It's just not. It's not real. It's not a real league. I want to see like Bellingham like playing for a team. She's gone. It's an image. It's a false yeah, image. False. That is brilliant. Yeah. I just. I don't. I, I don't <laughs> think it'd be Bellingham. I think, especially with where Bayern Munich are right now, where they're they're going to sell their greatest ever, one of their greatest ever players in Lewandowski. They're in a, entering a transitional period. It will do Bellingham's development no harm at all if he's competing for a league title for Dortmund um, in the Bundesliga. Mm. Like absolutely no harm at all. Yeah, fair. I, I get it. I get it. And I, either way, like you said, which I agree on, if Bellingham did come this season, which he's, he's not, but if he did, I don't think he'd be playing absolutely every single game. It's no. Just not, it's, he's like not you, wouldn't, you wouldn't play Bellingham away at the Etihad, I don't think. Unless he, he he has a spell where he's unbelievable for us. But I, I don't know, he, you know. Play that being said, he played Curtis Jones against Man City. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I reckon you could see, I could see him playing away at Stamford Bridge. It's just it's annoying that we've resorted to speaking about Bellingham because we don't actually have a clue about who else the alternative is. Like the club does that, have actually does given say more about us or the midfield market in general, though. It's the midfield it's, market, man. It's a bit of both, though, because I, I don't know about you guys. I watch a bit of Bundesliga football. Um, and like if a player, if I hear about a player, I might go and I can watch their team play. But beyond that, like I don't really watch much of like other teams play these days. Mm. All right, I'm not Sorry. taking the mic. I'm not. I'm really not taking the mic. But last season, Florian Neuhaus had a year left on his contract, right? It's or this two season, got the year left. Oh, uh, yeah, so he's got another year left. Because I was, I was yeah. gonna be like, why is that one completely quiet? Because we clearly wanted him before. But okay, That's a weird know. one, but I think he's 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 had a rough year at, at Much and Gladbach, where he had a new manager come in who didn't really fancy him, and he got back into the side and did okay. But like, it's not been the season that he had before where he was just like properly like playing week in, week out and killing it. So I think he's someone probably on... I mean, listen, we don't know the alternative. He could be the alternative. We have no idea who the alternative too many is, but like he might still be in the club's radar because I remember the Athletic were putting out loads of pieces about him. James Pierce did something on him. Yeah. Rafa Honenstein mm-hmm. did something on him as well, I yeah. think. Like, and he's in the German national team now. Like he's, not, like he's not a bad player, but he's just one that probably just hasn't had a season that he would have wanted, so he's not got the same hype as he did before. Interesting. How do you guys feel about Naby getting a new deal? I, I'm livid. I'm You're unhappy. Mike's I'm happy. Chris is livid. Why are you livid, Chris? Well, I, I don't kind. I don't know what he's done to deserve it. If it's from, a, if I understand it from an asset 
retention point of view. But when you look at what he's done on the actual pitch, I can't really see. Because if, if we're would... going to say that he's had an outstanding season, then we have to take back everything we said about Wijnaldum in the past few years because he's kind of a carbon copy, realistically. I, I, so, 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 so to previous everything I said, I think Wijnaldum was outstanding for us in like the way he, in which he, so the function he needed to play in our team, he was. Like, Agreed. He did his job really well. And I think in, in whenever Naby, I think he's he's had games, but I just felt I felt let down by him. Like I'm not saying he's had like games where he's dropping classic after classic and he's been outstanding and he's been amazing. But I've never, ne- I've rarely left the pitch or rarely left like watching the Liverpool game and thought, oh, Naby really let, let us down there this season anyway. Like I think there's games where he's played really well, um, and like kind of like Newcastle was a good one towards the back end of the season where he does really well and gets to goal. And there are a few others. I, I just think Liverpool need a midfielder of his skill set, like, just to kind of have in and around the squad. So I, 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 I don't see it as a bad thing at all, really. Especially when we talk about the lack of options in the midfield market. You don't want to be selling one of your, like, kind of better midfielders who has offered and done well for you this season. I, don't, I honestly don't see it as a bad thing at all, like, at all. If there were loads of op- other options in the market that we could sign to replace him and to bring into into squad, like, suppose we've got too many and we could sign someone else. Fair mm. enough. Maybe it's worth cashing in on Naby, but, like, we literally just spent the last ten minutes thinking, "Who the hell are the club going to sign?" <laughs> like, what's the point of selling Naby if that's if that's the position you're in? Hmm. Fair. Yeah, you can only realistically get one of rid of one of him and Ox this summer, and we we all know who we probably flog out the two. So, yeah, the one that salts for not playing when he plays absolute crap when he does play. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that one. I'm sure we see where he goes, you know, at the moment. Well, Newcastle wanted him in, in January, so I don't know if they're going to go in for him again. Mm. But apparently Villa want him. Lord knows why. Villa want him. Apparently West Ham want him, so who knows. Gerard just wants to get on a vibe, man. I don't know what. You know what? Yeah, we need to discuss Gerard and Milner because, honestly, like, <laughs> you can't justify why Aston Villa need James Milner in that team. I think you absolutely can, though. How? Because I think one of the things, so one of the things Gerard's spoken about. Because to be honest with you, I've watched a lot of like Villa interviews with Gerard, and like I've, I basically want to really see how he does this. So I've kept a close eye, and I think one of the things he's spoken about is like dressing room culture and like high levels, both in training and off, and obviously in the, in the games. And Milner offers you that. We literally spoke about keeping Milner at the club because. He's so key to our dressing room culture. So if you're a Villa manager who wants to raise the standards in training and in general have a really good dressing room culture, then Milner's a really good player to have in and around the squad. And he's also like a Villa man. Like, not a Villa man, but he's played for Villa before and had a good relationship with the fans. So, like, it makes sense in a number of ways, bro, honestly. Like, I, I personally think they've signed too many players about 29, like Dinia, Coutinho. They need some younger players. But Milner in and of himself, like, just taking away that context really made sense. But but the problem with that is if you're if you're Aston Villa, you're playing one game a week, you're having to pay this guy a hundred grand, whatever, he'll be one of your top earners. How do you fit him into the main eleven? I don't think he would have been one I think he would have taken well actually who knows? I don't that's know. A hor- that's a horrible deal then. I'm sorry. Yeah. That it's, is so, so, okay, so to, to caveat everything I just said, right, the dressing room culture stuff. Yeah. If they were offering him big wages to do that, then it's yeah. absolutely stupid. They were, they were. That's that's what's come wouldn't out. That, wouldn't that, wouldn't that yeah, silly? I didn't know that bit because that's a bit that that would be stupid. I thought they offered him like a kind of like a not like a massive contract, but like a just like a kind of like reduced term, a lot significantly reduced terms than what he's on now, but not like fifty k that we offered him maybe. So, 
yeah. Uh, I, I, if they offered him big money to stay at the club and be the dressing room culture guy um, at Villa, then that'd be a bit silly. I just, I just, I've, I find it mad. I find it mad. I, I can't wait to see what Gerard does. Listen, but when they sign, you're a Gerard skeptic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When this geezer is signing a manager to be his coach. And he's trying to find a 37 year old to, to look after the dressing room. Honestly, I have respect, to what he respect does. for GOAT. Respect for GOAT, honestly. Yeah, as a player, not as a manager, man. I respect True. him in everything. I look forward to seeing what he does next season. I look forward to discussing him. Listen, man, you've got to separate the player from the manager because my dad loves Graham Sudes, the football player. Hates <laughs> Graham Sudes, the manager. <laughs> yeah. A lot of uncles hate Graham Sudes as a manager. There's some dark periods. Uh, we've been lost in the, we've been lost in our conversation this evening. Um, I can't believe we've nearly done an hour of thirty worth of podding. Uh, we were going to do an award show, but I think we could postpone that till next week. Give us a bit more time to plot out the, the funny names yeah. we'll have for the awards, etc. Kind of for that. So do join us next week for the uh, inaugural Copper Fracas Awards ceremony, which will be hosted by myself. Um, and yeah, you can find out who wins the Harold Harold Award for biggest surprise of the season. Um, and rewards of those ilks. Some of them will be inside jokes only known to the Coppin group, but we'll get a good laugh out of it anyway. Um, uh, before we do sign off, I want to say a big thank you to everyone for the kind words for last week's pod uh, in terms of what me and Fahey discussed in terms of what happened in Paris and the kind of guise of fan tribalism. Thank you very much again for your kind words. And yeah, be sure to stick with us across the summer. Uh, Coppin Fracker's main pod. We're going to be putting content out every week. Uh, we will find stuff to discuss and the season will come around quicker than we think. And of course, the Coppin Fracker's Patreon page is going to be where it's all at. Player previews, the Bantics pod, AOB, transfer game, which is going to be released this week. Um, that will be dropping. Be on the lookout for that on Thursday. We will have three episodes and then another episode next week. So yeah, man, it's all happening on the Copy and Fracas Patreon page. So do head over to www.patreon.com forward slash Copy and Fracas and become one of our proud Patreon members today. Gents, it's been an absolute pleasure as always, man. I can't believe we've managed to fill 130, min- 130 minutes, one hour, 30 minutes of um, pure content. How and we did? didn't even speak about Harry Kane properly, which is mad. No, we, we didn't, didn't, man. We can discuss that next week as well quickly. Harry well. Kane, man. Harinda Kane, bring him to the club. <laughs> bring him, bring him I always imagine like Harry Kane wearing a pug. I don't know. It's just and before anyone laughs, I'm just I'm just gonna ask you guys this question. If you have been offered a brand new deal six months ago on significantly better terms and you've refused to sign that deal, why have you refused to sign that deal? I just want to know. If anyone has an answer for me, please let me know. Please let the cop in chat know. Why would he not have signed a deal yet? He's coming. He's coming. Harry Kane. He may be coming to play us next season, but yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Actually, all I'm saying is, yo, why is he not signed the new deal? I just want to know. No, honestly. That's just to, gotta be Kane. Just to end, right? He's got two years left on his deal. If he doesn't sign the new deal this summer, he's given Tottenham a huge problem in that he's got one year left on his deal next summer. So he's got a decision to make. He either joins the Reds or he signs a new deal. That's the decision he has to make. That's what I'm going to say. How much would you also say? I've not been as engulfed as you you guys have. But what I will say is, why are they after Gabriel Jesus? Yeah. Great question. Great question. question. I want someone to answer why. Uncomfortable conversations. Uncomfortable conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, how much would you pay for Kane? Um, 
I got, and you know how I feel about him. I got up to a hundred million. You know what? This club would never do it though. They would never. No, they pay would, that. Yeah. But actually, when I think about one twenty on a player who's got two they years, never left, pay it. It's bonkers. Maybe a hundred. Hundred is the ceiling. Even that, they wouldn't do 100 it. Hundred plus add-ons. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. You say they haven't got that dog in them. They've not got that dog <laughs> in them. They're, they're, they'll max at eighty. That would be the cap. Let's see what happens. Honestly, Harold Leave Kane's going to be. It's going to be a saga this summer. I, I, I feel it in my bones. <laughs> What's the saga going to be? The saga's going to be Harry Kane forced to move to Liverpool, and we're like the so... Timberland meme the whole summer. You, you know what's so funny? It's just that we've kind of just spoke it into existence. Like it's not even a thing. It's not even actually been reported anywhere. But we're it's doing that, that manifesto thing that doesn't go away. <laughs> lighting, lighting some incense, incense, getting the older, uh, you know, stones manifested it, man. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think we should do it just to see the look on his face when we brew the national anthem because that'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Kane, man, that'd be hilarious. Harry Kane. But yeah, man, it's been, a, it's been a fun week. Um, you know, it's gonna all, it's gonna be all be happening. Um, as we look to bring in another attacker to supplement Sadio Mane's departure what will happen with the midfield if it's Sangare I will probably blow up the extra training facility I don't take that serious I'm not long, but, um, and yeah it's just going to be an interesting summer man it's going to be a hot summer so stay locked into Copper Podcast thank you for tuning in this week and until next week we'll see you soon Network.